from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond. And I'm your co-host, Ice Artificial. And today we have Josh Epstein from At Scale. Josh, really nice to have you on. Brad, Ice, great to be here. We're so excited to have you on, Josh. Uh, first things first, can you tell us more about yourself and your company, AtScale? Yeah, sure thing. So I've been with AtScale just about uh, six months or so. AtScale is based in the Boston area, offices in San Francisco and, and Bulgaria. I'm a lifelong, career-long Boston-based uh, technology marketer. So I, I started my career here over 20 years ago uh, working at EMC, now, now Dell EMC, and uh, my entire career has actually been uh, in, in the Boston technology scene. So uh, bouncing back and forth between large uh, global companies like EMC, like CA Technologies, uh, Oracle, uh, and then lots of startups and kind of then, you know, startups evolve, some get acquired, some don't last and others, uh, you know, kind of go and, uh, and do great, exciting things. AtScale is the, the most recent one uh, that, that I've been at. Uh, I know this, this team from other uh, ventures that I've been involved with. But AtScale is a big data company. Uh, so AtScale has a technology that we, we call a semantic layer. Uh, what it basically does is it sits on top of uh, large data stores, large enterprise data warehouses or data lakes, and provides a very uh, clean, uh, understandable view of, of analytics to data consumers. So it's really about democratizing data, really letting folks, uh, whether they're business analysts, whether they're executives looking at dashboards, or data scientists actually creating ML, AI models, tap into that data in a very systematic, clean way uh, while accelerating uh, performance and making sure that it's a good uniform experience for all data consumers. That's great. And you mentioned big data with ad scale. How does that shape how marketing is looking like in your space? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great. Well, one of the reasons I love working at ad scale is that I got into marketing actually from the analytics side of things. And I became a marketer, you know, sort of pre even inbound marketing, the digital marketing. And I was sort of part of that first wave of people looking at marketing operations and looking at data differently. And that's just really, you know, I feel like I've been fortunate to kind of grow up in marketing through this massive transformation. And now as we're getting into things like uh, account-based marketing and thinking about how do you leverage AI assisted insights to make better decisions it really is uh, changing the way uh, marketers operate. So at scale, sort of my role here is sort of twofold. It's one, kind of evangelizing the value of, of the semantic layer to, to enterprise data teams out there, but also mm -hmm. sort of operating as a consumer and saying, hey, what do marketers need? Uh, what do good market executives need to make better decisions to integrate data, AIML um, models into their day-to-day -day operations? So it, it's fun. I'm both classic marketing, doing all these things that you know technology marketers do, as well as I get a lot more involved in the product uh, area to sort of say, hey, you know, if we could do this, we could tap more into this, this type of a market. So it's fun marketing something where you can really put yourself in the shoes of the, the, the key personas that are some of the key personas that are, that are buying. Yeah, I love best that. of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's dive into a bit of what marketing looks like for you guys and, and some more of the details and all that. What's uh, what's big on your radar right now? What has this past you know year looked like for you? And you know where are things at with everything? Sure. So so you know at scale um, is in uh, I would say a growth stage uh, startup range, right? So we're venture backed, 
uh, still, we're, we're still growing, but we're kind of clearly past that, that product market fit. We've got you know, over 50 customers globally, some of the big, biggest brands um, out there, both big, big retail, big financial services. Um, for us, it's now about scale, right? So how do we go from uh, a sales team of 10-ish uh, executives uh, to 20-ish, 30-ish, 40-ish and kind of starting set the stage for systematic scale? And so for marketing, that means... Well, it means a lot of things. You know, number one, you, you got to have a pretty tight demand gen program running. And so we've invested in that, brought on some great folks to run that. Started to invest um, a little bit in the tech that we run to support that. Um, but we, we run you know, pretty basic stuff, kind of with Marketo and WordPress. And we have um, been successful in having an anchor event, digital anchor event once a month, either a webinar or some sort of online event, discussion, thought leadership event, from which we hang off lots of other activities. And that's been very scalable. Um, we're, we're sort of in a spot now where we can say, okay, if we spend more money, if we promote more levels, if we add another event, we can start to, to scale our, our leads, our, our meetings, and our uh, marketing-generated pipeline. So all that's been in place. That was sort of step one. In parallel, it's kind of getting that, that messaging platform nailed. Right. So I think part of the one of the things that people, in my experience, particularly in startups, sort of underestimate is the importance of coming up with very systematic, reproducible messaging. So thinking about mm-hmm. your, your messaging platform in a way that like, you know, you can define who at, at scale is a semantic layer for data and analytics. But then, you know, both kind of going kind of up sort of funnel or kind of thought leadership level of like, OK, what are the cool themes that we can talk about and tap into that align to that? But then thinking in more detailed, you know, on the marketing side, like that, what are the campaigns or the events we can run, the emails we can send, the landing pages we can put up that have interesting angles that all tie back to that top level platform. And then particularly in an in a enterprise sale process where you have salespeople, right? You have, um, you know, individuals, you know, business development reps that kind of get meetings and account executives that sort of nurture opportunities through. How do we create a systematic messaging platform that goes into all of the words that the SDRs use when they get someone on the phone or send an email? And then the, the, the first call deck that an executive might use to uh, have a conversation and then all the way through so that it sets the stage for a sales cycle that, that works. So when you get to a proof of concept, the kinds of things that the customer is expecting are the same kinds of things that we sort of warmed their brain up you know, a few months prior in a webinar that they went to. So um, spent a lot of time kind of getting that in, in shape in a um, condition that we can kind of scale that. And so now it's about scale, right? And I think as, as we scale, um, one of the things that I'm looking at is how do we start optimizing? How do we, you know, account-based marketing is something that I've been tapping into from, you know, the past few years as it's sort of gaining steam. But now, um, particularly if you're a data savvy marketing organization, the amount of data you have you can bring to bear to kind of get really good and focused on where you're spending money, who you're targeting with, with emails, with ads, who you're sticking your, your business development team on, you know, with phone calls and, and one-on-one emails and LinkedIn ad and all that kind of stuff, you can really start to shape the funnel, right? So in my mind, you know, you're in marketing, funnel-based marketing, it's about kind of getting more bigger, bigger funnel. Account-based marketing... I don't like that flip. Sometimes account-based marketing talk about that flipping the funnel. I don't like that visual. I think it's more about massaging the funnel. It's really about um, you know how do you how do you get higher quality? How do you increase your probability of getting higher quality leads up the top end, so that it shapes the the outcome down down below 
um, you know, when people are, are getting people on the phone all the way through, they're doing POCs and, and closing the business. Yeah, I love that. I think um, for those listening that are maybe in the early stages of, of thinking about account-based marketing, what are some things that marketers really think about and have eyes wide open to, you know, be mulling over as they go through this journey? So it comes from a few different angles, I, I think. You know, one, particularly if you're an enterprise technology marketer, and we all kind of have a similar, we have like a demand gen team, you've got a team of BDRs or SDRs that are that are trying to book meetings, and then you have account executives that are accepting those meetings. They're all, it all pretty much looks something like that. The first thing, most teams, particularly, you know, say 10 years ago, you always had this debate, is it, is it can you feed those BDRs with inbound leads or do they do this outbound calling? You really need to kind of realize that it's just a continuum. You know, dialing for dollars out of a phone book, that's just dumb, right? But so is dialing every single inbound lead you get off your website, right? So it's basically how, how can you increase the probability of success by, by one, bringing in better leads by kind of owning your inbound funnel, owning your, your content, but then also doing a little bit of scoring, some basic scoring so that, you know, someone comes in, they're a student, like don't bother calling them. Right. But there's a lot more sophistication you can do on your inbound lead funnel to kind of increase the intelligence to kind of say, hey, this, these leads are better than those. Same goes, though, on outbound calling. Right. There's a whole lot you can do to, you know, one, identify the types of accounts uh, that you should be going after, um, you know, using things like uh, intent based signals, um, all sorts of ways to kind of source um, intent, whether it's like from a Bombora or Tech Target's got lots of great offerings. The extent you can know about their install base, if you're out targeting people that are running Snowflake, well, you can lots of good ways that you can source accounts that are investing in Snowflake or Google or Amazon or, or, or Salesforce.com, whatever. And then finally, just you know, understanding who's hitting your, your, your website. So kind of using those signals to sort of identify these sets of accounts, they seem to be interested in stuff that we're doing, whether or not they're engaging with our website in any sort of identifiable way. They seem like they're, they're, they're good accounts. And then from there, using the data, the fact that like whether you're subscribing to a Zoom Info or Discover Org or just on LinkedIn, knowing your personas and saying, okay, this enterprise is, you know, lots of different signals that they're interested in big data analytics. And then using those tools to say, okay, well, here are the 10 people that based on the LinkedIn profiles seem like they would be the ones that would be interested in what we have. And then focusing your activity on those 10 individuals. It kind of seems straightforward, but... It's actually using a whole bunch of different data sources and working really well with your ops team to do this in such a way that a BDR doesn't have to think a whole lot, right? They basically are it's served up to them um, in a way that they can just respond and do what they do really well, which is talk to strangers in a really you know good way and convince them to spend a little bit extra time learning about what it is you do. Can be a long road, but there's there's just so many great technologies and tools and folks out there. I mean, unfortunately, there's lots of people that want to sell you stuff. And so you, you can't spend money on everything, uh, particularly if you're in a, in a startup, but you can think holistically about how it's supposed to work and then cobble things together in a way that you can kind of build on over time. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that kind of leads into my next question is, you know, like you said, there's so many vendors out there who want to sell you something. A business is obviously this evolving dynamic thing. There's different priorities. How do you sort through all of that and, and come up with a strategy and actually implement it and why everything's all running and all this stuff? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of thoughts come to mind. First off, and I, I always coach the, the BDRs at, at scale work as part of the marketing organization. First of all, it doesn't really matter whether they work in sales or they work in marketing. 
every CMO, every head of demand gen needs to kind of embrace that BDR team and kind of like that, that that's, that's the glue between, you know, um, marketing programs and actually demonstrating value. So that's number one. But I always talk to the BDRs and, and say like, listen, I am the hardest person to get on the phone. I don't answer my phone. If I happen to answer my phone and it's a cold call, most likely I'm just hanging up immediately. I'm not giving any choice. I don't answer emails. I'm basically really a, a, a jerk to anyone that's sort of cold calling me. Um, yeah. Once in a while, something breaks through. Once in a while, like a great cold email, just like I laugh or someone grabs me. But typically it only works if I've actually heard their pitch somewhere else. I'm trying to think of a, a one that's worked. Um, is it a Terminus? Good company. We're not using them right now. I've used them in the past. I remember, you know, I'd read about them. Cool company. I read what they were doing. And they hit me up with a cool like vineyard based email where it's like, you know, the guy's talking and I'm like, all right, listen, like whatever he said in the first two minutes, I'm like, okay, I want to hear it. And so I take the meeting. So first off, getting through to CMOs is super, super hard. Getting through to anyone is super, super hard. You got to be multi-channel. You got to, you got to be sort of warming me up on lots of different ways to kind of get my attention and then kind of get me to, to, to go. The other piece there, certainly word of mouth. I talk to my colleagues and, you know, understand what they're using. And if someone loves a tool, then I, then I look at it. The other thing is I just, I do make a point more so now, like folks on my team, like if my head of demand gen or my marketing office person says, Hey, like this cold call got through to me, it looks kind of cool. I'm like, all right, it, it's worth my time. If someone else has said, this is cool. I should take a half an hour and get a demo. So I do try as much as I know that I don't have a budget to buy much of anything right now. I'm kind of all stocked up for the remainder of the year, but I will take demos to try to stay sharp on what's working, what's new. You know, I don't, I don't really read any marketing trade journals. I don't even know if they, I, don't, I assume they exist, but I don't know what, what, what they are. It's more about word of mouth, what I hear. And then folks on my team that say, Hey, this is kind of cool. We should check it out. I love that. So as we're wrapping up here, uh, you know, there's a lot of other marketers listening to this. What should some key takeaways be uh, from you? It sounds like, you know, you got a lot of uh, account-based marketing stuff going, you know, doing all this, setting up all this stuff, strategy and everything. What should some key words of wisdom be as we're uh, wrapping up here today? Key words of wisdom. I guess the one thing we haven't really talked about is really the importance of brand, right? And how you do that. And, and I'm, I studied engineering. I became right out of school. I was like an analyst and a, kind of a data guy. And then I, I became a marketer over the years through kind of doing things around the periphery of marketing and then starting joining startups and then just becoming, doing everything and then becoming a CMO. But so I'm not a brand marketer, but um, over the years, really understanding how, first of all, what, what does brand mean? I mean, there's certainly the visual brand that you think about but then it's also partly tied to the messaging platform, but really partly tied to like, what is, what is the company's mission? What are you trying to solve? Is everyone kind of committed to that, right? It's hard, right? And the role of a marketer in shepherding that, like a market, rarely, I've never been a founder, rarely are marketers founders of the company, right? So you step into these organizations, all, every organization has a culture. Some of, some of those cultures suck. Some of them are, are cool. Some of them are, are geeky and unfounded, but you know, I think brand starts with understanding the culture, understanding kind of the mission of what you're trying to get done and kind of what's driving everyone and kind of what, what everyone's interested in. First of all, building kind of a messaging platform that you can use to articulate to, to customers what it is you, you do. But then it's about finding that combination of 
how to be authentic in, in the way you talk about the company, in the look and feel of the company, in the way you treat your customers, your partners, your, your analysts, when you take yourself super seriously, are you geeky? Are you like, you know, I did a lot of time in cybersecurity, you're like saving the world and trying to defend people from evil. Um, but, um, you know, for me, at skills fun because I think we're, we're still, we're kind of, we're working on our brand a lot right now. And for me, it's fun because I, I love the tech and I love this. And like I said, I can, I can really put myself in the shoes of, of our personas, but what's really cool when you get that brand engine cooking, and this is the fun part of marketing when it starts to resonate, when the BDRs and the salespeople are starting to have conversation, like, you know what, like semantic layer works, like they're getting what we talk about. And like, you know, like clearly, yes, it leads to sales, which is good, but it's more like when people feel like they, they, they start finding a better way to talk about the company, it starts snowballing and it happens throughout the organization that the engineering team starts using the same terms, the executives use the same terms. You start, you start hearing competitors using the same language that you got. It, it just starts to build this, this uh, level of, of confidence and, and kind of like psychological momentum that honestly is more fulfilling than even you, you want financial momentum. Like we all were here to make money. Like we want to grow this business and, and whether we sell it or IPO, it doesn't really matter. We want to grow. Um, but it, it's really, I, I think we're all driven more by that psychological um, fulfillment of just being part of something that that's fun and cool that mm -hmm. like you feel good about and that, that underlies brand. And then you, you get that nailed and then you can figure out the look and feel, you can figure out the swag, you can figure out like, do you advertise on clear channel or do you just do digital? Like that stuff kind of works itself out, but it sort of starts with that. What is it that we're doing? And that's the fun part of marketing. And I think the power of marketing in my mind. I love that. And if I'm a marketer out there and I'm thinking about brand and, you know, maybe I'm working with the founder of the company that doesn't have a background in marketing. Uh, how do I, how do I position this, get buy-in and all that stuff and measure it? And, Dude, you know. it is so hard. Like it, it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's super hard. So first off, it's not for the faint of heart, right? Um, founders, I don't know if anyone will listen to this, but like I have a great relationship with founders that I've worked with. There's different cultures, right? Like Californians are way different from Bostonians, are way different from Israelis, um, which tend to be those those three have been the majority of the of the, the folks that I've worked with, the founders that I've worked with. It's not for the faint of heart. So one, marketers need to be really good listeners, right? And kind of really good at... Um, not just hearing what people are saying, but kind of getting under the, under the hood of like, what does it really mean? You got to be patient. You got to be able to take feedback, particularly from Israelis, uh, in a way that's like, can be super brutally honest. And like, there's no way marketing is never right. Marketing is never perfect. Right. Whether it's like a, a PowerPoint deck or, uh, an advertisement or a new, new logo, it's never ever perfect, but it can be good. Right. And so, it's nice working for founder-led organizations because if the founder's like, yeah, it's good, boom, you got to just stop there. You don't care what the head of sales says. You don't care what anyone says. Like if the founder likes it, like you're good. You can now just go and do it. Marketers get really bound up in knots when they can't, either they can't get consensus or they can't figure out who's important mm -hmm. to sort of give the check. And they can't do it themselves. And so I think one of the things that I've learned over the years is to one, like trust my own gut, 
I know it's good. Like I, if, if I like it, it, it's good. Right. It doesn't mean that like, you know, if I have a founder there, I have a great other, other folks that I'm getting their feedback on. It doesn't mean I'm not going to hear them, but like in lack of other kind of consensus, like, yeah, that's good. Like, I just got to know like, okay, this is good. We need to move forward because the, the one thing that, that just hoses the best marketers out there is that if the website doesn't go live, it doesn't matter how much work you did on it. It's not live. Right. And yeah. so, exactly. um, you know, you, you got to push it across and, and it's got to be good. It's never going to be perfect. Just knowing how to make forward progress, good marketing and, and moving things forward is, is part of, again, part of the momentum building that I think marketers need to make that progress. And the stuff we do is, is super fuzzy, right? It's, it's like, I mean, there's, there's some tactical things, the number of leads we create and our opportunities we create, but the rest of it, like the development of the brand category creation, analyst buy-in, like the, the, that stuff is really super hard to measure and you should try to measure. It's, it is really good to benchmark, you know, number of mentions you have in the press and, and other kind of brand awareness stuff. That's all goodness. But like a lot of that softer stuff, you just kind of have to confident go with your gut and learn what works. Yeah, totally. It's very insightful. Well, this has been great. Any uh, closing remarks before we end here? No, um, listen, I, I, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Josh M. Epstein. I tweeted Josh M. Epstein. Um, always glad to talk to, to great marketers out there, um, particularly in, in sort of the technology uh, B2B. If you're trying to sell me something, like good luck, go for it. Like, good <laughs> luck. And uh, yeah, it's a small, it's a small world. So um, yeah, I look forward to meeting as many people as possible. But thanks very much for having me. Yeah, it's thanks so much, Josh. Josh. This is amazing and appreciate you sharing all your wisdom and words of insight.